Welcome to the Anchor Church Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more content and upcoming events, visit anchorchurchcsra.com. Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37 this morning. We're continuing through. Anybody remember? Sermon on the Mount. There we go. So Jesus' longest recorded sermon in Scripture. First book of the New Testament, Matthew. And we're picking it up this week in a sermon called Tell the Truth. If we were just to boil it down to one thing, it would be tell the truth. Or maybe we'll put it another way. Watch your mouth. <laughs> that sounds a little more sassy. So we'll go with tell the truth. But in Matthew 5.33, we're really challenged with this thought this morning. And I want to I ask us just in a moment, honestly, you, you don't have to shout it out. You can just kind of think to yourself for a moment. When was the last time that you told a lie? We've all done it, right? We've all lied. We've all fallen short in that way. But when was the last time you told one? Maybe call that to mind. Maybe that's a hard question to think about. Maybe it's like, I don't really know. I know I did. I just don't know <laughs> the last time. Or maybe it was on the way here. Maybe it was, if we're super honest, maybe we might say something like, I feel like I'm kind of living a lie right now. And the other question that goes with that is, when was the last time that you were lied to? Because I'm assuming we've all been lied to before, right? I'm assuming that that's all happened. Anybody else? It stinks, right? It's like the worst to be lied to. It makes you feel devalued. It makes you feel hurt. It creates wounds. When we're not living the way that God wants us to live and when others aren't living that way and we exist in this world together, it gets real complicated real fast. And that was certainly the context that Jesus was preaching into and the context that we find ourselves in today. But can we agree on one thing this morning, no matter what the answers are to those questions, those cutting, convicting questions for all of us? Can we agree together that our words matter? The words matter. They're, they have weight to them, right? They're super heavy, and many times we don't even realize the weight that's on them, we underestimate often the power of our words to do one of two things. And we all know this. They can either build up or they can what? Tear down. Either way, they can build up or destroy. And so I want to talk to you this morning about telling the truth. The first thing I begin to think about as I was preparing this message is the word loopholes. And we all love some loopholes, don't we? Now, come on now, it's tax season, <laughs> right? There's certain situations where there's been this law and there's been this system, let's just use taxes as an example, where there's rules. But there's certain pockets where the rules don't quite address certain things and we go, well, I can technically do this because it doesn't say I have to do this and I'm not prohibited from doing this. So we call those things loopholes. And so we all love them. Uh, let me ask the question this way. When is it okay to speed in your car? We have different opinions on that, right? Well, there's kind of an understood uh, four over rule. You know, everybody goes at least four over. And so as long as I'm going at least somewhere from five to 10 over, then I'm good. Or maybe it's, well, if it's an emergency, I can throw on the hazard lights and drive like Batman and it's okay. There's the loophole, 
Or maybe it's, well, if I'm on a two-lane road and I'm behind Grandpa Joe and he's going you know, 50, you know, 45 miles an hour in a 55, I can zoom past him at 65 real quick as long as I go back down to 55, right? And we all do that, right? We all go right back down to 55. And so there are these situations where it's okay or we feel like it's okay. In some states, it looks like this. In Wisconsin, the legal drinking age is 21, just like everywhere else. You have to have an ID to order a, a brewski or a stiff drink. And Wisconsin's kind of unique, though. There's this loophole where you can actually order a drink for your kid. You can, you, you can serve a minor alcohol if they're your minor, and the 21 or older orders the alcohol, you can serve it to your child at the, at the table there. And they cannot do a thing about it. It's a, it's a legal loophole. Another one in Kansas, this one's a little weirder. All right, we're going to get weird for a second. Is that okay with everybody? Everybody's a little weird. So I'm weird at least. I speak for myself. You can be naked in your lawn. You can, you can mow your lawn naked. You can, and not some of those weird blue laws. I'm just saying like, like you can walk down your, your street in your neighborhood naked if you want to, as long as you're not doing anything uh, inappropriate while you're naked or, you know, we're not going to describe all the potentials of that. But if you're simply naked and just taking your dog on a walk or going down the street, then there's a legal loophole for that. There's some weird loopholes out there and there's a whole sheet of them. So I'll spare you for the rest. I'll, I'll leave the Google magic up to you for later to investigate those for yourself. The point is, if we're really honest, we kind of like loopholes sometimes because they let us off the hook. And in Jesus' day, there were lots of loopholes that had been created by the religious elite. Oftentimes when Jesus was teaching, he was calling out those who were like the religious hotshots of the day. We'll use the word Pharisees because that's how we typically refer to them. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and all these different people that they were the people obeying. They, they had it together. They were the people who knew what God said to do and what not to do, and they were teaching everybody the right way to live, and they were the people everybody was following, and kind of the people in charge at the temple and otherwise. They were the people everybody looked to to know what God says is right and wrong. And Jesus showed up as God in flesh to correct them on some things because they had been teaching some things that were not consistent with God's word. And everyone was really confused. And one of those, I'll give you three encouragements today. Let's just go ahead and write this first one down. Let's make a few commitments together today. The first one is, in our lives, let's refuse to create loopholes for lying. Can we do that? Let's refuse to create loopholes for lying because there was one thing that was going on back then, it was this. There were elaborate loopholes by the way, using God's word, using the Bible, they, they would quote scripture, but leverage God's own word against God's own ethics. Imagine that. Sounds like something Satan would do, right? Sounds like something the devil would do because he did it to Jesus in Matthew chapter four, Luke chapter four. Satan starts quoting scripture at Jesus. Hey, you know, the Bible says Jesus, that's kind of an odd thing to say to the Lord but because he wrote it, but He's lobbing scripture at him, twisting it in certain ways to try to throw him off. Well, what, what was the original sin in the garden? We've talked about this a couple times in this series, but we'll come back to it because it's really important to understand. Genesis chapter three. Did God really say that? It's a questioning of God's word. Oh, well, God knows when you break the rule that you'll actually be better off. Oh, you won't die. 
you, you, you will not, what's that next word, surely die. You, no, you've got it all wrong. See, Satan from the very beginning is a liar. Jesus says this in John chapter 8. He says he was a liar from the beginning. He, in fact, he's the, he's the father of lies. Or in 2023, we might say he's the OG of lies. He's the original gangster of lies. It all flows from Satan, and it came from that moment in the garden. It's how sin entered the world. We have some OG sins, don't we? Pride, lying, questioning God's word, rejecting God's authority. And so let's talk about the lying. Jesus paraphrases a bunch of Old Testament scriptures into one. And so this isn't, uh, Jesus says in 33, let's put verse 33 up here and let's begin to go through our text this morning. Again, that means that Jesus is referring, he's building off of his previous thing. That's why it's so good to look at the sermon as a whole. So go back to former weeks. If, if you missed a week or two, we have a podcast on Spotify where you can go back and catch up. But Jesus says again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors. So this is, this is what they, they knew. You must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. All right, so we're talking about oaths. Now, that may be a strange word because we don't use that a whole lot in our vocabulary, but we're talking about vows or promises. Those may be more like words we use today. An oath, a vow, a promise. If you're if, if you're making an oath to God, you better keep it. Let's look at a few Old Testament passages that Jesus was, if we take Jesus' statement and explode it on a diagram, these are the three main ones that he was quoting. Leviticus 19.12, we're just gonna read these real quick. Do not swear falsely, this is God talking, do not swear falsely by my name, profaning the name of your God, I am the Lord. Do you see how our obedience and, and God's, God's design for us has to do with who he is. We're gonna come back to that in our second point this morning. Numbers 30 verse two says, when a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to put himself under an obligation, ready for it? He must not break his word. He must do whatever he has promised. All right? And the last one, Deuteronomy 23, 21. If you make a vow to who? The Lord your God, do not be slow to keep it because he will require it of you and it will be counted against you as sin. So all that together, Jesus makes it simple. We need to keep our promises that we make to God. And they were doing that a lot in the Jewish culture, in the, in the system that God had set up in the Old Testament, the law. There were ways to make sacrifices to the Lord, to make vows unto the Lord. And so we could go through Old Testament passage after Old Testament passage and look at how in human history this has been the case. But what they did is they took that truth and just what the enemy does, they created a loophole for lying. And here's what the loophole was, ready? You have to honor a vow to the Lord, but not to your neighbor. Vertical vow, yes. <laughs> you gotta honor your vow to God, duh. Of course you do. But to your neighbor, ah, not as important. Or there's a loophole for lying. That's kind of a crazy loophole because we're gonna see that there's plenty of scriptures that talk about not lying to your neighbor. But that's the thing about questioning God's word. It's the thing about creating loopholes. It's the thing about a lack of integrity is before you know it, you really just start doing stupid stuff. I mean, if we'll all just kind of look at even our own hearts and our own lives, it's just like, I know that. 
But once I compromised here, it wasn't so clear over here because it's a slippery slope. We, we talk about that, right? Sin, sin works that way. If you compromise over here before you know it, you'll find yourself doing things. You never woke up in the morning fresh on the pillow thinking, I'm gonna go and do that. I'm gonna go wreck my life because of that one compromising text or that one compromising website visit or that one compromising phone call or comment or thought that you nursed over and over again for years and you had the, uh, you know, we talk about our hearts are a Petri dish, right? Where things can grow and be tested and, and you left it in the Petri dish for a long time. And so Jesus is reminding us this morning that we ought not create loopholes for lying. But let's, so, so the, re, the result of all this, people were breaking their word all the time, making flippant vows, just willy-nilly oaths here and there. Oh, sure, yeah, 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 okay, I promise. Yeah, sure. But to God, that, that was what was important. All right, so let's go to the second. Let's go to the second um, encouragement this morning. Ready? Feel free to write this down. Honor God's character in your speech. That's a good truth. That's a good, that's a good applicable step for us this week. Let everything that we say reflect God's character because that's what we do in this kingdom life. We talk about being kingdom focused, kingdom centered people. Kingdom means that God is in charge. We're not, he's the king. He's in charge. We, we live underneath his rulership, his dominion. And so in his kingdom, as, as his subjects, we're more than that if we're in Christ, we're his children. But as his children, how are we to live? Well, we're to represent his character by what we say. It's a tall order, but he doesn't leave us hanging. And so in this literary context, Matthew, actually the gospel of Matthew, a lot of Matthew is centered around Jesus being king. That's actually, if, if you just knew the whole point of Matthew, if you could just represent it in three words, you, we can nail that down this morning. Jesus is king. That's Matthew's point. And so this is not surprising that we look at uh, God's kingship in this section. So what does verse 34 say? So we, so we heard, yes, you must keep your oaths to the Lord. And then Jesus tells them this, this repeated pattern his antithesis that we've heard over and over again, but I tell you, all right, Jesus, what do you tell us? What's so different? Don't take an oath at all. Wow, that's quite different. What else? Either by heaven, because it's God's throne, or by earth, because it's his footstool, by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great, what's that word? Hey, there it is, all right? Again, not, not surprising in Matthew, this is a huge point. Verse 36, do not swear by your head because you cannot make a, a single hair white or black. So let's unpack this together. Jesus presents these different situations, but his, but his encouragement is simple. He says, hey, actually the oaths aren't necessary. Now let's pause right here because we're gonna hit a, a little more in detail on in a second, but Jesus is not simply saying, don't promise anything to anybody at any time at any place. Remember, with Jesus, it's not about the letter of the law, it's about the spirit of the law. I'll say it one more time, because we've said it other weeks and I really, I really want it to stick, because if you get something out of the Sermon on the Mount, this is one of those sticky things that I want to really stick in our minds and our hearts. It's not, it's not always about the letter, it's, and it's rarely about the letter itself, it's about the spirit of the law. And Jesus oftentimes will use certain statements. He doesn't mean something different, but the application of it is different than it might seem at first. And we have seen this in other sections of the sermon. And so let's go through these things. He says, don't swear by heaven because it's whose throne? 
God's. Okay, let's hang on to that. Or by earth because it's whose footstool? God's. Or by Jerusalem because it's whose city? God's. Okay, so we see the pattern. God, God, God. It's his. It's yours. It's yours. All yours. All yours. We, we, we sang it earlier, right? Because it's true. His kingdom, his power, his dominion, his glory. And so Jesus is saying, you're swearing by all this stuff? Swearing, promising, you're vowing by these things that are not yours. They're not yours to barter with. They're not yours to flex. They're not yours to brag about. And if you lose the bet or if you vow and it, you know, by, by earth, okay, well, what if you're wrong? Then, then, then what? Then is, like, it's a dumb vow to make because the earth is not yours. <laughs> it all belongs to him. And so what is happening is when people are cheapening promises, ruining their relationships, because they're saying, oh yeah, vows to God all day long, which they weren't even really keeping those. And then horizontal vows, ah, it's up for discussion. It's kind of 50 shades of gray of interpretation on whether or not we should keep those vows. When you do that, you ruin your relationships. You create all kinds of strife and stress in the world and you're swearing by things that don't belong to you. It's not yours, it's God's. He is king. So what do we say? We need to commit to honoring God's character in our speech. Why is it his character? Well, the integrity of our word, friends, here's how it works. The truthfulness of our word should mirror the truthfulness of God's word. He made us verbal creation, right? We can talk, right? We can speak intelligibly in, in, in languages, in many different languages. And those languages make sense and they have logic and reason and order to them. They're not random. They're systems that fit. And God made us that way. Yes, animals communicate with one another too, but we are uniquely made in God's image, unlike the bird, unlike the dolphin, albeit intelligent creations, but we are different. We're made to be little mirrors that reflect his glory we talk about. If you consider yourself a Christian, you are a little Christ. Ephesians 5.1 says, therefore be imitators of him. And so in our speech, we're imitating God. Well, what does God do? Well, he's a revelatory God. He tells us true things about himself and true things about us and true things about how to live, right? He gives us the right way to live. And when we speak and when we use our words, we are a reflection of of him. And so if we are being flippant with our promises, we are in essence making God's promises vain. Which in the Ten Commandments, he said something about that, right? He said, don't take my name in vain. Which doesn't just mean, don't say GD. It doesn't just mean that. It means that we're making God himself and God's word empty. We're emptying him of his kingship. And so what's the encouragement again? Let your speech model and represent effectively and accurately his character. The words we say can glorify him or tear down the kingdom and hurt the kingdom. And why are people leaving church left and right? Why are people leaving the faith left and right? By and large, a result of what people have said. They have been lied to. Promises have been broken right? Hurt relationships. Every time, every time I've ever talked to someone who is still not ready to come back to church, who's still church hurt, it is because of something someone has said to them to wound them. And so when we don't do this well, the results are catastrophic. 
And so Jesus comes to set the record straight. He says, whatever, he says in another area of Matthew, from the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaks. So what is Jesus obsessed with? What do we say every week? Our heart. They're a factory where things are made. They're a Petri dish where things can grow and be tested. And remember last week, they're a, they're a home. They're a home. We choose to let things in and live in our hearts. And so basic idea, again, uh, the way F.F. Um, F. Bruce puts it, I think I put this quote in the uh, sermon. Can we go there? F.F. Um, F. Bruce is a theologian. I was reading his commentary. It was just so, so good. Uh, again, an unqualified statement to be taken not in the letter as a new law. We just talked about this, but in the spirit as, as inculcating such a love of truth that so far as we are concerned, here we go, there shall be no need of oaths. So what is he saying here? Well, he leads to our last encouragement for today. You ready for it? Number three, commit to only saying, and highlight that word only, <laughs> underline it, star it, <laughs> put a pretty box around it, whatever you gotta do to, to emphasize it. Commit to only saying what is true and good. Only saying what's true and good. And we got one more verse, friends. Let's look at Matthew 5, 37. This is a good verse. If you're a parent of children in the room, this is a great verse to emphasize with your kids. 537. But let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. And so Jesus says, essentially it's God's desire that we tell the truth. Let's look at another verse from the Old Testament. This is one of those books you go, that's, that's, that's in the Bible because it's so short and it's so small, like we kind of skip over it. It's in the minor prophet section, the last part of the Old Testament. Zechariah, Zechariah with an E, chapter eight, verses 16 through 17. And we're encouraged here to speak truth, make true decisions. Let's take a look at this verse together. These are the things you must do. Anytime God says that, we, we should perk up. All right, God, lay, lay it out for me. And the Pharisees really, really needed to read this. And they should have known this, by the way. They claimed to have a lot of the Old Testament memorized. Speak truth to one another. Make true and sound decisions within your city gates. Do not plot evil in your hearts against your neighbor and do not love perjury or lying, lying under oath especially. For I hate all of this. Did you hear that? That is the Lord's declaration. He hates lying. There's many verses in Proverbs about that. I hate lying lips. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. I mean, we could list them on and on and on. What's God's desire for us? Speak, speak truth to one another. You have the potential, friends, from the youngest in the room to the oldest, to speak truth in a way that would build somebody up. It's not only your ability, it's your responsibility. It's my responsibility. What would our church look like when you talk about being a healthy church and we're a new church, we're really trying to be extra intentional as a, sometimes we refer to ourselves as a little tiny baby church in our second year, we're being really intentional about church health, just like you would for a small baby. We have to be intentional about speaking truth to one another in a way that builds up. Ephesians puts it like this, 429. Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only for what is good for building up. And every person in this room has the ability to build someone up. And so 
I want to put that in front of us this morning. I want to commit as a church to say things that I'm not talking about flattery. I'm not talking about forced encouragement. Have you ever had to do that before? Sit, sit across from everybody in the room and say something nice about that. And I, I've been in these situations where I'm sitting across from someone. I literally don't know them. I've never even met them. Like, you have nice hair? I don't know. Like, I'm trying to find things that are true. You know, we're, we're not talking about forced encouragement. But we're talking about if you're a Christian in the room and you claim to love Jesus, then what's going to come out of your mouth is Jesus. And that's why we study God's word together. That's why we memorize scripture so we can encourage one another with what is good. And just reminding each other of God's love for us and our love for one another. I mean, let's just start with that as two basic things. Jesus, what are the two most important commandments? Love Lord your God and love your neighbors yourself. So let's do that through our speech. Let's commit to only saying what is true and good. Our words, friends, Lean into this this morning. Our, our words should have the integrity to be able to stand on their own as true and good. We shouldn't need, I swear to blank, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye, all those things that we kind of say to, to strengthen, I swear to God, I swear to this, I, you know, all those different things that we end up saying. They actually, they actually make our words weaker, don't they? if we really think about it. Have you ever had someone lie to you and you knew they were lying and they were insisting on how much they weren't lying? <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, I'm telling you the truth. I wouldn't lie to you. I promise, da, 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 da. And they get all worked up and you just like, you, you know they're lying. You know it. And it's like the more they go on, you're more convinced they're lying because they're just trying to strengthen because their words are so not truthful and so jacked up that they're trying to do anything they can to dress them up and make them look good. And it's interesting if any of you are into forensics or true crime stuff, like investigators will tell you that, that, that liars do this, that they, they, they will use those modifiers. And that's actually one, one of many red flags uh, for knowing that someone's lying. Now, again, is Jesus saying all times and all places, like if you're getting married, don't, don't do marriage vows? No, he's not saying that. If you're going to court and you're called to the witness stand to testify, all right, place your hand upon the Bible. Nope, sorry, judge, I don't do oaths. I mean, you could say that, but that's not what Jesus is teaching here. There's a time and place for a civil uh, court system oath or being sworn into office or things like that. There's a time and place for things like that, and you should take those oaths seriously. But Jesus is saying, let's put to death, ready? Let's put to death flippant words. Just words being slung left and right. Let's be really intentional with our words. Can we commit to do that today? If you're a Christ follower in the room, if, you're, if you call yourself a Christian, if you're not a Christian in the room, then I'm not gonna hold you to this. Uh, because I mean, I'm gonna tell you that this is the way God's designed us to live. And I, and I would call you to it. And I would say, hey, this, this is the best way to live according to God's word. But if you're a Christian in the room, I'm, I'm a, I wanna hold you accountable to this today. Let's commit to only saying what is true and good, our words should have the integrity to be able to stand on their own. You know, Jesus' brother took notes during the sermon. James chapter five, we see almost literally a straight quote, James five twelve. Above all, my brothers and sisters, don't swear either by heaven or earth or any other oath, but let your yes mean yes, your no mean no, so you won't fall under judgment. Jesus' own brother 
says this in his letter. Jesus was exposing loopholes. There are always going to be loopholes. As long as there's sin in the world, mankind will try to find ways to skirt around what God has commanded. But let's make a commitment to look square on with what God has said, with what Jesus has said. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Let your word be enough. Let your words model the same integrity that God has. He is true and good. And he's trustworthy, he's trustworthy friends, right? And that's how I want to be. I don't, I don't know about you, but I want to be someone that, that people can trust. I'm not ever going to be perfect, and we're not ever going to be perfect. And I am going to break my word sometimes because I'm not perfect. But I don't want to be someone that does not take his word seriously. And that when those times happen, if I ever do break my word, that I'm not completely broken. That should break us when we've had that. And we should be quick. What do we say in the other weeks? Quick to come and say, hey, I messed up. Hey, I told you this and I did not follow through with it. I'm so sorry. That's called being humble, friends. It's hard. (laughs) So hard. But it's so good and it's so worth it. And you will see a blessing in your life as you pay more attention to your words. Especially behind a keyboard, man. Sometimes keyboards can make us a little overconfident, a little overbold. Right, comment section warriors. Um, different scenarios where we're just very flippant with our words. I'm super convicted whenever I write a message like this today because I've, I've convicted all week long, just going, God, help me. Help me, because I do not stand before you as someone who has figured this out. <laughs> I don't. But I hope you'll join me in committing our lives to only speaking what is true and good and that that be our mark. To reflect God's character, to put away the loopholes for lying and to tell the truth. And again, we do that because he's a God of truth. And friends, let me encourage you with something else. You, you, you can trust God. You can trust him. Proverbs 3, 5, the John three sixteen of the Old Testament, they say, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. What do you need to trust God with today? I'm gonna lead us into our response time with that. What do you need to trust him with? Maybe it's salvation. Maybe you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. You've never confessed your sin to him and said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner and I need your forgiveness. And then guess what the Bible says? His forgiveness for us that he paid for on the cross when he died for us, it's a free gift and you can accept it this very morning and you can give your life to Jesus Christ. Say, Jesus, I received that free gift that you gave me and I receive your mercy. And he'll change you, friend. He'll change you from spiritually dead to spiritually alive. I'm 14 years on the other side of that and I will tell you that he really can, I mean, if he can, guys, if he can change me, he can change anybody. I was a dead man walking, but he called me out of that tomb and gave me life and I want the same for every one of you in the room. So if you've never made that commitment to Jesus, I'm not here to make that decision for you. But I'm, but I'm here to lovingly call you to repent of your sin, which means to do a U-turn. Instead of like, man, I'm not gonna go that way anymore. I'm gonna turn towards Jesus and receive his mercy this morning. And you can pray that in your seat during this response time. Jesus, please give me mercy. Please forgive me of my sin. I look to you as my Lord and Savior. You just pray a simple prayer like that and he'll come into your life. He'll come into your heart and make his home within your heart. But friends, maybe there's an area of our life where we're still struggling to trust God. 
in a certain area. We're still struggling to trust his goodness or we're wrestling through that. And I would encourage you this morning to lean into his goodness, lean into his truth, lean into his ability to provide for you as your shepherd. Just spend some time in prayer. As we sing this song, we just say these words of humility, God, I'm not enough. But if, but if you'll come and meet me here, then that's really all I need. And there's this other part of the song we're about to sing. The lyrics say, all I want is all you are. It's like, God, I just want you. I don't even need all the circumstances in my life to be perfect. I just need you. Could you say that this morning? God, even if you never fix this, I still believe that you love me, you care for me, you're good, and I can trust you. It's hard. It requires faith. But sometimes we need God to help us have that faith. We need him to strengthen our faith. Sometimes we need the help of others in the church. That's why we don't do life alone. That's why we don't just do it, me and Jesus, my Bible, my prayer closet. Like we need church family to do that. It's one of the benefits of, like I said, being, being in a group of you know, just people that can come around you and say, hey, I got your back. You're not alone. So let's pray together today. Let's respond. Friends, I'm gonna call us to really respond today. Everyone in the room, lean into what God has said in this sermon of telling the truth. And let's, let's, let's talk back to God this morning in a good way. Let's, let's pray to him. Lord, help us know how to respond this morning. You're calling every person in this room to a next step. And I don't know what all those next steps are, but I know the next steps you're calling us towards, Lord, are good. I know they're good because you're good. You're a good, good father to us. And Lord, I pray for every life and every soul in this room that you would draw near to them, draw near to us, Lord, as we draw near to you this hour. Give, give someone this morning a fresh start if they need it. Help someone heal over hurt words. Maybe someone's been lied to in the room and they're still truly hurt over it. And we just need your forgiving grace. We just need your new mercy morning to just come in and rest upon us and give them a fresh start and a fresh season. Maybe some of us in the room, Lord, need to let go of some bitterness and unforgiveness. God, help us forgive those as you have forgiven us. If we've been forgiven in the room, God, help us remember how great that mercy is that you've shown us and help us show that same mercy for other people. God, help us however we need help. You are a shepherd. You're so good. We trust you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Can we stand together, friends, and just lift our voices to God? Just lift your prayers to him. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit anchorchurchcsra.com or follow us on social media at anchorchurchcsra.com.